Let's go focus, breathe. Now pull the thing up. Go, 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 go. Up. You've got it, Rawdon. You've got it. Stand. Stand up. Very good. The pressure's on, Rawdon. It is, Tom. I mean, we've got some powerlifting royalty coming up on this episode royalty. today. You God-like. Know what, you know what that means? Yes. It means people might actually listen to this. They may listen to it and they'll be very, very tough, the powerlifting crowd too, Tom. Oh, yes. We better dot the I's, cross the T's today. Well, it's oh. too late for I dotting and T crossing now, mate. I mean, the show's already begun. <laughs> oh, no. Jesus. Ed Cohen coming up on the show today, everyone. The which is um, Ed Cohen. The Ed Cohen, the, the greatest powerlifter of all time, as he's widely renowned. Yeah. He has more world records than uh, he can count these days, yeah. I believe. Somewhere he can poke a stick at over a hundred. Um, but he'll be coming into the studio with us. Lovely guy. Lovely guy. Pleasure to spend some time with. And um, apart from uh, interesting to, to talk to yeah. on the air, just a pleasure to talk to and, yeah. and deal with out of the studio as well. Yeah. Really nice guy. It wasn't entirely unpleasant walking him down. As he was he cramp our style a little because we like to swan down to the <laughs> studio yeah. on a on a Wednesday to record the podcast but yeah really awesome guy and uh, that's lots of fun that interview and still a, a really strong dude as well I think he squatted 300 uh, the, the GPA Worlds just for a bit of bit of fun just for a bit of fun yeah just like shelling peas yep no problems for him so Ed Cohen we'll talk to him a bit later in the show and exciting we thought that since he's coming on we may as well um, talk a little bit about strength training yeah. and we want to have a look at I guess the basic nutritional yep. support for yeah. uh, an intensification phase or a strength training phase and uh, and how you might get the most out of your lower repetitions and, yeah. and support that with nutrition. Basics being the operative word. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going to have a look at a, an interesting supplement on the show this week. Yes, and Tom. I mean, when you think about strength training, there's a range of different uh, stimulants and... Legal stimulants we're talking about, of course. Of course. The, yep. You know, the alpha-GPCs and the caffeines uh, and the yes. tyrosines. Tyrosines, all that, that kind of stuff. jazz. There's your staple pre-workout yep. for strength training. But we're mm-hmm. going to get a little bit exotic today. I'm having a look <laughs> at, um, they call a nootropic. Oh. Uh, a supplement or a substance called anaracetam. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed you had to look at that one again. I thought yeah. it was going to roll off the tongue. Yeah. I, I do believe you're in the white lab coat right now, Tom, oh, too. Oh, yes, so. very much so. I've got powders and potions all over the place. Yep, but the Bunsen uh, burner. One of the guys down at the gym, Stefan Ionev, our education manager, has been using uh, anaracetam for the last couple of months and yes. swears by it. Yes. Swears by it. So we're going to talk about the... Because uh, he's a razor-sharp wit and uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's always in the zone. So it might yeah. be the... Anaracetam. It keeps him so focused. So we're going to have a look at that. And of course, Tom, don't forget to uh, the disclaimer. Oh, well, I mean, of course, anything that we do talk about on these shows is purely... Is a a secret and you can't tell anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we talk about various things and supplements and training methods and all that kind of stuff. And there's many ways to do things in the strength training or or body composition world. And all we do is just make reference to some of the systems we use down at Clean Health. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's not the only way to do things, but it uh, works well for us. Yeah, I mean, for instance, uh, cardio, fasted or non-fasted. Well, that is the study we're looking at. That's a the study a fresh, we're looking at today, but a fresh study out, yeah, hot off the press. So that that'll be really uh, interesting. Running through that a little bit later, Tom. There are those that swear by fasted, and, yeah, and some me. say, "Well, it doesn't matter." If you want to have something before you do it. Um, But uh, yeah, we'll have a look at that study a bit later in the program as well. Uh, You're listening to Clean Health Podcast under the bar. You can send us an email at uh, podcast at cleanhealth.com.au. 
Yes. Well, Rodden, I guess no matter what you're trying to achieve in the gym, what you eat, the fuel you put into your body is going to play a, a large role. Significant into, role. To how successful whatever training stimulus it was you've been applying. Mm-hmm. It's no different for strength training or going into an intensification phase where the, the reps are lower and the rest periods are longer and you're trying to develop strength. You still need to focus on the uh, nutritional support for performance. Yeah. And there are several factors to, to sort of take into account here. I mean, if we're, we're talking about you know, muscular development from uh, strength training, then obviously there has to be some sort of caloric yeah. surplus. If, you, yeah. if, if your theory is a, a bigger muscle, you yeah. know, more cross-section of muscle fiber yeah, will produce more, more force, more force. So yep. a bigger muscle, a stronger muscle, then you, to build it, you still do need yeah. adequate nutrients to do that. That's like, uh, while you're mentioning that, uh, I remember uh, uh, one of my colleagues back in the day was saying, you know, that you know, it was argued that uh, the bodybuilders, you know, lift fluffy, you know, sargoplasmic, just volume type training. But, but his argument was, well, you go find me uh, the Ronnie Coleman's and the, you know, the big bodybuilders and uh, see what they can actually lift. You know, point being is, if you've got dirty big muscles, you can, if you want to, you can generate a ton of force. And those, yeah. those guys will, from time to time, pull ridiculous numbers. You know, worthy of a powerlifting meet, um, but they just. You know, they don't need to, I guess. Or, I mean, some pros certainly do still, but a lot of them, um, you know, they risk of injuries outweighs any benefit. Yeah. So they, they, they sort of change their training style. But if push comes to shove, I mean, those guys, ton of muscle, they can lift a ton of weight if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And I suppose on the other end of the scale for uh, power athletes or, or strength yeah. athletes, sometimes they actually have to monitor their, their weight very closely. So yeah in that respect picking the right balance of calories to stay within a right range yeah. is crucial for them um sebastian or yeah, australian Sebast- strength coach we've had on this program before he he doesn't get too technical with things he just no. he's just like well what's my scale weight if i'm light i'll eat a little more yeah. if i'm heavy i'll eat a little less yeah. pretty simple but he, he stays around a bit of a that, that of kiss keep it simple stupid stuff we like so yeah yeah, I mean, that's a good example of, uh, yeah, if you put more muscle on, you could lift a bit more, but, you know, then you'd be a different weight class, and then you have to get stronger again. So it's about staying in that, that, that right weight. So nutritionally would influence the amount of muscle mass that he's putting on. But he's got a, his body wired to, you know, down to a fine art tuning that, that yeah. rig he's in, and he's always in tip-top shape. So, but yeah, nutrition fundamental role in uh in strength training for sure so if we look at the macros and and just sort of focus on each one here briefly rawdon um no matter what kind of training you're doing obviously protein is crucial yeah not only necessarily for the the amino acid profile that you need to build and recover from training but also from a um a mental clarity perspective there are certain kinds of proteins which are maybe a little better before a yeah. strength training workout than others like red meats obviously high in tyrosine yeah. and um raise dopamine levels so yeah, yeah. carnitine creatine in the red meat so that's a that's in, a yeah staple for strength yeah, training yeah so. in theory a little uh, a little sharper have a little bit more yeah. mental mental focus and a bit more mental drive definitely with some uh, red meat in the belly you don't want any um Ideally, no uh, turkey. No. You don't want to chomp on some turkey before you do a, a strength workout. But it doesn't the trip me every, the fan. every time when I go home and mum cooks the family up a nice big, uh, a nice roast roast turkey, mm. everyone mm. is nodding off after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
What is that narcolepsy? You know, the, the, yeah. the turkeys just all of a sudden they're awake and they fall asleep. Yeah, so uh, red meat's pre-workout for, for strength training typically. Yeah, if we're getting into the... We're talking about the nutrition now. So for proteins, yeah. I mean, red meat's like we mentioned, the tyrosine, uh, pump up your dopamine, your focus, your drive. Um, creatine, like we mentioned there. And if it's... You know, if we are sort of thinking laterally, you know, grass-fed, uh, good omega, essential fatty acid profile. So you've got the omega-3s. Um, the CLA in there so obviously the essential fatty acids omega-3s the EPA DHA so from a cognitive function you know having some DHA uh, from the omega-3s would play a, a role in in that that um, cognitive function and the the mental clarity for the strength training so from that I know it's a, a thinking laterally there yeah. and, and going sideways a bit but but that's something to think about too you know when you are focusing on strength I think Little one percenters, but when you add all of these things up, uh, small things become a big thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, another example, I suppose, on a, I'm not talking about strength, but hypertrophy. So, so like I've mentioned, working with Milos, and Milos, uh, one of his things is he he doesn't like any uh, fats in the bloodstream or as minimal as possible when uh, the blood flow and, and, uh, you know, ingestion of of high GI carbohydrates around training because that's going to elevate insulin. We know insulin. Uh, will pretty much sh- uh, shuffle whatever's in the blood to, to the muscle or fat tissue. So his theory is if, um, you know, the increased blood flow, uh, insulin levels are up from the carbohydrates you've, you've just ingested uh, around training and then you throw fats in, then you increase the potential to, uh, to store fat and adipose tissue. So, yeah, I mean, there, is it going to make a massive difference? Meh, maybe, maybe not. But again, it's that... that the attention to detail is one or two percenters for those that are looking for for the edge time i mean yeah that's right you know if you know if if, if what your system you're using at the moment is working well and, you, and you're getting strong fantastic but if not you know you might want to uh look at your breakfast you might be having you know your bowl of cereal and you know not that there's anything wrong with cereal we could uh, we could go back and forth and pros and cons um if it was leading into a volume workout I'd probably argue some carbohydrates in the in, in the tank would be mm. a good thing but certainly for strength training, you know, you might find you're a little... Uh, I know for me, whenever I have carbohydrates, I do get... Um, and we spoke about this before we, we did the show, you know, some people respond better to carbs and, and fats. But a general rule of thumb, whenever I have carbohydrates, I, I do um, certainly uh, get a little sleepy. Yeah, a little more uh, relaxed. A little more relaxed, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the serotonin, there's an increase in serotonin. You know, you're your, your, your happy uh, neurotransmitter. It's not really the... You know, you don't, um, hippies, ton of serotonin. You don't see those guys uh, with their dreadlocks in the gym squatting uh, Pulling thr- big numbers. 300 kilos, you know, <laughs> yeah. for, for, for triples, yeah. Ed Cohen style. But, you know, so why not try some uh, protein and, uh, and, and the fats? And fats would be pre-workout. Pre-workout, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty uh, we'll, sure you We'll know. ask uh, Ed Cohen what he has pre-workout and find yeah. out what, what, what his theory is. So, Matt, what protein targets would you recommend? Mate, if we do give it a general overview on nutrition for... Um, I mean, across the board, uh, I like about two to three grams per kilo of body weight, so male or female. Females maybe a little bit less, but so uh, 50 kilo uh, female, anywhere from 100 to 150 grams of protein a day. Yep. And then for a 100 kilo guy, anywhere from you know 250, well 200 to 300, but 250 to 300 grams of protein. And I'm talking uh, animal meats, uh, eggs, uh, yeah. you know things like that. Um, your whole food uh, sources, not so much your whey proteins or your amino acids. If you do include uh, amino acids like I do, 
you know, around training that for my uh, competitors and, and clients contribute to their overall uh, protein intake for the day. But I'm just talking from animal, whole foods, I like about uh, two to three grams per kilo. That's, that's, I know you work off similar numbers as well. There's different, you gotta think, you, you might see a recommended daily allowance, you know, listed by the government. <laughs> um, but that's for an untrained population. Yeah, you, know, you got to think. Population, yeah, yeah, like what we do and my competitors, they're an, an extreme uh, example of, mm. uh, and, and you, you really are trying to get that one to two percent, like you mentioned earlier. So, yeah, two to three grams, Tom. Um, fats anywhere from fifty to one hundred uh, grams a day. I, I like, and then the way I look at nutrition for whether it's a strength uh, phase, general rule of thumb: less carbohydrates. They don't really need them. Uh, they need some carbs. I never like to take a macronutrient out, out completely. completely. Yeah, no. Some carbs, but um, I guess for an, an intensification or a strength phase, either with dinner to help sleep uh, and convenience, you know, it's good yep. to, to, to create these awesome plans where it's really, really awkward for the client to follow. Yeah. <laughs> or you can give them a plan where when they get home, they can have, you know, some some turkey and uh, steamed veggies with a, with a serve of uh, basmati rice along with the rest of the family and they feel mm. quite normal they don't feel like they're doing anything too ridiculous so either at night time or you know small serve post training and then at night time as well but volume phase different i like a lot of carbohydrates around training again depends on the body fat numbers of the individual but but what i do is protein target bang get that sorted fat target uh, actually, I work off carbohydrate seconds, so depending yep. on the phase, I throw in the carbs where I want them for my client, yep. and then whatever's left over in calories, that's the fats, and, make and I'll the fats. make yeah. up the fats, and that'll I'll keep fats away from carbohydrates, I won't mix the two. Yep. Uh, fats in the first half of the day, ideally, unless they're, they're training there, they might have some carbohydrates, but um, that's generally how I write up a nutrition plan, and obviously working out how many calories the, the individual needs for the for their um, metabolic rate and the amount of volume that they're doing too and whether yeah. they're trying to build muscle surplus or deficit so mm. but nutrition for uh, strength training that's what that's what i would look at generally less carbohydrates yep and more of the those cognitive uh, improving meats i.e the, the red meats uh prior to training post training that's fine run your you you know you you your white meats uh seafood stuff like that um and fats that's what i'd focus on primarily around uh, strength training and i have spoken to a couple of powerlifters over the years that swear by two liters of ice cream just before bed <laughs> definitely <laughs> uh supplement of the week as we mentioned at the top of the show rawdon we're having a look at the uh, exotic anaracetam so a little bit different it's not the kind of supplement which you will get an immediate kick from, not like having a, a shot of coffee or some sort of pre-workout stimulant and you'll notice the results straight away. It's um, Basically, it's a nootropic and it's designed to enhance aspects of mental function. And basically what Anaracetam does is, it, apart from enhancing uh, creative thinking and holistic thinking and reducing anxiety and depression and stuff like that, like I've done a number Ooh. of... Uh, tests with people with Alzheimer's and these sorts of things and had some good results with that but for the uh, the general training individual Anaracetam basically has a it's a positive modulator on the excitatory receptors of the brain so <laughs> white lab coats on yes basically um, it gives you controlled and prolonged neurological stimulation so Ooh. you're not going to straight away notice a, a huge 
difference. It's one of these things. And, and talking to Stefan about it, the response that he's had from it, mm. after three to five days of consistent usage, he just has found that the general sense of well-being and clarity of thinking and training drive mm. to be uh, noticeably higher. Um, yes. And so it's quite interesting. I've actually got some on order myself, mate. And so I'll, oh, yeah. uh, once the maybe shipment our, comes in, I'll be <laughs> able to report back. Yes, yes. Um, well, maybe our listener could uh, tell us how, whether you're a little bit more... A little sharper in the coming week. In a few weeks. Um, Interesting. So you're going to try it firsthand in the trenches. You're about to give us a bit of a report. Give us a report. Follow up on Mm. the anaracetam. So it comes in, generally speaking, a powdered form. Yep. I think Um, you can get capsules too, yeah? I'm sure you can get capsules, yeah. Yeah. The dosage is quite small. So you want about 750 milligrams one to two times per day. So Interesting. It's about, you know, like half a, or a quarter of a teaspoon Not or thereabouts. Yeah. It's, only a, it's only a tiny amount that you um, actually need to take. Yeah, maybe the capsules, if you could chase them up, might be an easy Might be the easy way to do it. Gob a couple of those. Of course, you know, 750 milligrams twice a day for me, Tom, I would say, well, more is better. So I would yeah. probably take five times that and uh, be feeling quite ill. You'll but get a touch of the Yahimbis, mate. Mate, that Yahimbi, the <laughs> evil stuff. Evil that, stuff. Sorry, mate. I mean, typically speaking, Rod, and a lot of the uh, the strength-based supplements you'd use, like Alpha GPC and yep. and stuff like that, you know, there is that aspect of mental focus and clarity and the motivation in the moment to really just get in and, yeah. and ripping is the sometimes half the battle. Yeah, it, it really is, and if you know that is the the the, the age-old argument, you know, with with strength training, it is uh, so much of a of a neural aspect to it, and yes. You mentioned the the bigger cross-sectional muscle, and and obviously that's going to help you generate more force. So that is one way to get strong, you know. A heavy bar on your back multiple times a week, I can tell you now the the body's going to say, holy shit, that's heavy. Mm. I might just thicken those traps up a little so I can can sit on my back a little bit better. You know, the quads are going to cop a pounding. I might uh, put a bit of meat on those, see if we can uh, handle this this stress that's on the body on Mm. a regular basis. So from that very simple... Uh, principle obviously um, that's going to help us lift lift a heavier load but but it's that that nervous system activation and that mm. that that synchronization and the recruitment of all the muscle fibers and motor units to fire at the same time mm. you know the balance the being in the lift from the when you unrack it the the eccentric loading the change from eccentric concentric driving out of the hole or now, whatever the movement is how effectively the brain can send a signal exactly. through the central nervous system to get the job done 100% yeah. and anything that can give you a bit more clarity then it makes sense that, that it will uh, play again 1-2 to two percenters but, but for some you would uh, pay dividends I'm pretty sure so yeah so anaracetam uh, give it a bit of a google have a look Dosage again, Tom? 750 milligrams, one to two times per day. And it will take a few days to load into the yeah, system. So give, it a, give it a week to get going. More benefit from prolonged usage. Awesome. Mate, I'm a little bit uh, sluggish. I might have to get some of that uh, anaracetam, yeah, sweak some of that before I start the session, mate. I think, mate, I think for the benefit of our listeners, it's probably a good idea that we mate, both... Uh, both do it. And not just the 750 milligrams, the uh, Dubois dosage. Yeah, 10 times. Yeah, 10 so times. 7.5 Ten times, five times a day. <laughs> uh, fast- you know me too well. <laughs> fasted or non-fasted cardio. Controversial, uh, Tom. Uh, ooh, very controversial. We're not, not afraid of the, uh, the, the hard-hitting topics here, Tom. There's been a study that's come out, and this is hot off the press this week. Hot off and the press, yeah. had a bit of a, a look at it, and it's certainly thought-provoking, the results. But like with any study, mm. there seems mm. to be so many 
variables at play. <sighs> there is, Tom. There is. I guess the two names that, that uh, are worth uh, mentioning are the, the Brad Schoenfeld. Schoenfeld, I think it, it's pronounced, mm. and Alan Aragon. These guys are pretty much in the industry to uh, dispel all the the, uh, the myths and misconceptions of, of training and, uh, yeah. you know, look at the facts. And I'm somewhere in the middle, Tom. You know, it's a case of, okay, cool. The way that uh, study looked at that particular scenario or whatever they're looking into okay they it didn't work in that environment but it's not to say that a, a different angle or or you know the variables were uh, set up differently that the result might have been uh, you know different so with with a lot of these studies i like to you know take it on board but then also yep. look back at uh, and again what do we say on the under the bar podcast on when in doubt trench it out trench it out exactly so right i mean how many times have you given a client faster cardio and, and and they've gotten lean you know like it's yeah, well uh, i mean and and first-hand experience I, I i've done a lot of it and yeah. uh, lo and behold when i work with melos what does he do faster cardio yeah yeah what did uh shelby stans guy i was working with before that faster cardio so yeah. is it a bit of bro science does it actually work that's what we're going to look at according to this this latest study by the right. Brad alan aragon so why don't we have just a quick look at the details of the study there mate what was the study group and how did they conduct this Let's give you the an overview of what they actually did, and then um, a young uh, demographic, but 20 females participated over a four-week period. Uh, two groups, one fasted, so uh, exercise in the morning after an overnight fast. That's generally yep. how people do it. So that's group one. Group two, they have a meal, so they you know, fast overnight, but then they have Get a up, meal, have breakfast, breakfast, then go do their cardio. Then they go do their cardio. So yeah. the cardio that you mentioned, steady state cardio, 60 yep. minutes, three times per week. Okay. Four-week period, so they two groups, twenty participants, and they, yep. they they crunched the numbers thereafter. Nutritionally, they were set up uh, with nutrition plans that were yep. in a caloric hypo uh, caloric diet. So hypo meaning low. Yep. So caloric deficit was created. Yep. Um, so I guess from a nutritional standpoint, the environment, environment was for fat loss was positive. there. Yep. yep. Because remember, it's great to have different macro ratios, this and that. But if you're still in a caloric surplus very very unlikely to uh, drop body fat in yep. any way so caloric deficit set up four weeks two groups fasted non-fasted <laughs> then you no, that's your cue to say okay and uh, so and what, what was, was the result Rorden? well let's talk about a few of the a bit of the discussion so the guys spoke about okay, uh, so a few so, so don't give me the result just no, yet I'm gonna just uh, I'm not just going for tease the it kill. out a little longer I'm not going for the kill yet Tom <laughs> short duration it was only four weeks and you'll know, like, when you implement a change into a plan, you know, usually you'll see changes, but sometimes it takes a little bit longer for that change, mm. that adaptation to occur. Every and now the again, you're, you're blessed with the automatic responder. Yep. No matter and what Steve you McLeod, do, there's, yep. you, there's a response within seven days. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a few of them in the yes. in the mix that without take naming a, names that take a little longer to respond, or, or yeah. the or the effects of a certain phase of training might be latent to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. So the problem with this one, short duration, is only four weeks. Okay. Okay. Uh, subject compliance. You know, um, yeah. I know all my clients are perfect and they follow everything I say. What about yours, Tom? Are they all perfect uh, and follow? 100%? I think from time to time there might be a, a sneaky uh, Tim Tam under the bed. Oh. I mean, the, the hendos of the world, uh, multiple boozing sessions per week. Standard. 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 Yet he keeps himself in uh, particularly good shape. Yeah. This is the thing. He wouldn't do it if he couldn't get away with it. Exactly. So maybe there was some of that going on. It's yeah, very sure. hard to police. Although they did have food diaries and, and, and although they dotted the I's, crossed the T's as much as they could, there's still some uh, question on whether compliance was 100%. Yep. 
other activities you know were the ones that uh, so, uh, achieve more of the fat loss or might have someone with doing a desk job or someone being a landscape gardener exactly and the ones perhaps that were eating uh, maybe they were the, all the ones that did a little extra a little something extra active mm. jobs a bit of extra cardio here and there so they actually got the same results the fasted who knows yep I mean how long is that piece of string <laughs> you know we've got to throw that out there Tom yeah so yeah, other activities, menstrual cycles. If you know anything about the females, they, they do have a menstrual cycle and uh, at various points in the cycle, not only are they, um, uh, I guess, potentially more... Mate, this is dangerous. <laughs> oh, no, I'm dangerous Well, territory. I'm just, you know, the white lab coat's on top. It's okay, you know, it's, it's Dr. Dubois talking here. But um, but let's just say it at... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going there, Tom. I'm just saying that from a fat loss perspective and, and when different hormones, estrogen, progesterone are higher, there'll be more beneficial times for fat loss is yes. my point so yes. again that could have played a role and it was a young fit demographic you know so if you had a group of uh, obese you know maybe the results might have been different uh and and that was just theirs but but then i sort of i had a few of my things that i threw in you know maybe uh, a hit session so high intensity work uh, is more beneficial when it's faster as opposed to loaded depending on the duration of the, the interval, I guess. Because yeah, certainly. I mean, in a fasted state with some high-intensity activity, presumably you will produce more catecholamines and free and mobilize yep. more fatty acids, yep. therefore be burnt for fuel yep. thereafter. Exactly. Maybe the combination of, of heat with some, then with some steady state, maybe that combination might be better uh, in a fasted state. Mm. You know, what did the clients have for dinner the night before? Did some of them have a higher uh, carbohydrate intake? Were they more loaded? I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of different... Many variables, yes. Many variables, that's the point. But, however, you know, they did uh, run a pretty tight study and um, they did uh, throw it out there, the conclusion that they came to, although they did say further study was required. Fat loss was the same. Right. Okay? It doesn't really... They, they're suggesting that it doesn't really matter if you, if you uh, consume food before you do your cardio training, if fat loss is the goal, which is quite interesting. You know, they did point out that maybe uh, any improved... Uh, fatty acid oxidization from fasted might have been uh, equaled out by a thermic effect of food. Yep. You know, when you eat the food, you know, increased thermogenesis there, protein, a breakdown of protein if there's protein in the, in the meal. So that sort of might have. Uh, uh, yep. I guess what I take away from this is, you know, what has worked for me personally and what I think from a convenience perspective, it's, it's really good. Certainly from a hit point of view I, I don't know about you but mm. if, if you're doing it uh, head down on the prowler I certainly wouldn't want to play to bacon and eggs before I get in there an hour beforehand I know in a fasted state my performance will be a lot better and if my performance is better then there'll be a greater epoch you know higher catecholamine release and, and then more subsequent fat loss mm convenience you know first thing in the morning it's easy get up yeah. boom do your cardio get it done and i think also mate you know we're looking at it as a fat loss stimulus to work in conjunction with a structured resistance training program right exactly and, and so it's, it's kind of like the icing on the cake whereas the the sample group we've got there you've got a, a group of 20 women that are training for an hour three times a week exactly. in a slight caloric deficit so yeah. when you look at that overall stimulus and yeah. the, the amount of food they're eating, well, they're all going to lose a little bit of fat and yeah. probably around about the same sort of thing. But I guess I guess the study, you know, for them, they wanted to keep as many variables out of it and yeah. just look at that fasted state. So, But I guess for me and yourself and perhaps our listener, it, it's pretty cool that if the individual 
doesn't get like getting up early yeah like hell a lot of my clients um but for those individuals you know maybe it doesn't matter uh quite so much as what we thought if they do have a meal and do it in their lunch break or they do it in the evening mm. they're still going to get some some decent benefit. fat loss that's right you know what yeah. i mean so i think that's what i take away from this you know you, you might take something different but uh certainly uh, interesting and i'll be interested to see what those guys uh come up with uh with a longer study and perhaps um you know nailing down those 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 variables and try and get some uh consist a little more consistency although it was very good i gotta say it, it wasn't a, a a very uh, loosely based study it was pretty tight parameters um those guys are, are certainly on their game that's for sure transcend for hender transcend for hender oh, You're listening to Under the Bar, the Clean Health podcast with Rawdon and Tom. And yep. Rawdon, one of the things that the uh, the Clean Health founder, Dame McDonald, can do is put together a seminar tour. He can. He's just got very good at that from a, a hugely successful world tour with uh, Dimitri Klokov and, yep. and Charles Poliquin. Yeah, he's been swanning around the gym with his short shorts, uh, adductors chafing with every step. World, world class legs. Dane came in and said, "Boys, do you want to have a chat with Ed Cohen?" We said, what, Ed Cohen, as in the, the, the Ed, Cohen. Ed Cohen? He said, yes, the Michael Jordan of powerlifting, Ed Cohen. <laughs> I said, mate, let's get him in. What's what's going on? He said, well, he's out here, and they're putting together a tour for Australia yeah. for 2015. Ed Cohen will be with Paul Carter. It's the ultimate powerlifting yeah. two-day seminar. We'll give you all the details at the end of the interview, and, and Ed can talk us through what attendees might expect from that. But uh, yep. he's with us right now. The, for those is. of you who don't know, Ed Cohen is the greatest, or widely considered the greatest powerlifter of all time. He's got a... Yep. Well, he said he doesn't even bother counting the world records these days, but there's probably about 100 of them. <laughs> he was the, the lightest man to ever get the 2,400-pound uh, total, which is, in yep. our terms, almost 2,000 kilos. It's, a, I think, a 1,090, somewhere around about there for, yes, for, exactly. for the total. So, Ed, mate, thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Now, mate, Thanks. to get us started, just to give the guys a bit of background, we were talking on the way up, and people might be surprised to know that some of your early influences were actually bodybuilders back in oh, the day. Oh, yeah, that's what I, I mean, I was a little skinny kid. In my first year in high school, I was not even five foot tall and not even 100 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so I started wrestling because I, I was too small to go out for American football. Yeah, right. And then I, I saw Pumping Iron on TV, and I was like, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, I guess your first motivation for lifting weights was to put on muscle. Yeah, it was just to be bigger. I yeah. didn't want to be small anymore. And so at what point did you sort of recognize that you, you had freakish strength? Did you? I, I didn't recognize it I, when I saw Bill Kazmaier on TV. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, he's big and strong and looks great. So I kind of switched. I, I didn't want to diet. I didn't want to do all that stuff. And yeah. the first time I started squatting heavy, I squatted twice a week and maxed out till I hit 500 pounds. Very nice. Pretty much what your first what, few weeks of squatting. Pretty much, it was. I was a, a, a freshman in high school, and I was like, forget the being a little guy anymore. I just want to be strong. Strong, yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, Ed, you, like you said, you wanted to put mass on, and, and did you do that just by lifting heavy? Yeah, I, I, mine was more of a power bodybuilding routine. Yeah. So I did all the bodybuilding exercises also, and pretty heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's something that we often talk about, and we were discussing on the way up, just the need for some of those big meat and nuts movements yeah. uh, for everyone's program, no matter what their goal is, is yeah. you know, is the key. Yeah, you got to have a stimulus, and a lot of the little baby exercises and pretty ones don't really do anything unless there's mu yeah. enough stimulus. you got to have enough muscle to make them work. 
exactly yeah. and I think they've actually done I was just reading something this week you know they, they've, they've shown that powerlifting versus bodybuilding training both will build it's about the same amount of muscle difference being that the powerlifter training will you'll be really strong as well you know as opposed yeah. to just being big and not strong yeah. so yeah I mean it, you know me Tom and I, I always harp on about lifting heavy and, and that's the like you said the meat and nuts definitely mm. we don't want to give away too much Ed but we'll say that you're, you're 50 plus <laughs> 51 you 50, can say you're that. happy with that you did a 300 kilo squat at the uh, GPA World Championships on the weekend and that was, mm. was just pretty easy for you oh that was just a token out of, res- out of respect for the meat director <laughs> for everything he did so I didn't wear knee wraps I walked it out it was just fun easy. so what are you doing with your training like, what does a week of training look like for you now almost the same as it used to it's just not as heavy I yeah. still squat and do little assistance work afterwards leg extension leg curls or another variation of squats some abs Tuesday, I just still bench. I still do close grip benches, inclines, tricep movements. Wednesday's off. Thursday's deadlifts and a whole bunch of more back work. Mm. And Friday would be more considered like a recovery day where I do some light chest stuff to pump. Yeah. And I'll do some shoulders on that day. Maybe one set of curls. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, they do get the girls. Uh, I mean, not that you need yeah. to get the girls, but uh, yeah, they do get the girls the curls. Uh, when you say, oh, I'm curious, like you're saying, you just don't lift as heavy. I'm, I'm pretty sure you still lift heavy. Like, what's not as heavy for you? Like, what it's are you all getting relative. up to? <laughs> what are you yeah. getting up to? Like, when you're squatting well, and deadlifting. Before bench? this, before this comp, I hadn't done any low bar squats at all. I was just doing high bar close stance, yeah. and I had gone up to uh, 307 and a half and walked out high bar, just about no knee wraps, never. I haven't used knee wraps in seven and a half years. Yeah. So I don't need them. Yeah. And so is that, do you generally like to use a lot of uh, variety in your in your training to build up to a yes, max I, effort? I, I think it helps so you don't have a weak link. My weak link would more be my quads and my, my hips and back are the strongest. So mo- a lot of times I'll switch over and do a high bar close stance just to work the weak point. Yeah. yeah. In terms of deadlifting, mate, I mean, you've made a sumo deadlift is your style. I mean, what was the decision process there? And, and it was, It's more of a semi-sumo. I've got, really sh- I got short legs and a long torso and real long arms. So uh, for me, my, my sumo is kind of based uh, how much muscle can I use in this movement? I want to use my whole body. So I would get a little bit of, of a push off the bottom with my legs and the rest is a pull. Mm. Yeah. And I, I came to it, just, just, I just tried it. But I worked it. A lot of people, when they try new styles and stuff, they go too heavy. So mm. they, don't have, they don't give their bodies enough time to download the process to learn it. Yeah. You know, your brain will think faster and your body will react and that's yeah. when you screw up. Yeah, interesting. And I, th- that's pretty much what I got lucky doing from the very beginning. I always took my time. So it's sort of like it doesn't look like a full suit, to be honest. No, it's considered like a semi-sumo. But I would still do conventional all year round. I would only do six workouts of sumo before yeah. the meet. And so in, with the tour that you're doing, what kind of stuff would you be going through with the guys? I mean, in terms of busting through a plateau with a particular lift, I mean, you're talking about a brain download of technique. Is it technique that makes is the key or, or program design which will get well, you there? Or? Technique is the base of everything without proper technique. I mean, you can lift lightweight with bad technique. Yeah. As soon as you get up to a point, if you're mm. still sticking at the same thing every single time, and you have to have a slight technique change. Talking about uh, technique, Ed, because I've spoken to other people that, that obviously don't lift as heavy as you, but they talk about trying to get that perfect rep and, and, and always trying to improve the technique. Do you feel that with your lifting style, you actually perfected that technique or are you still even at, at 51, still trying to get that, that perfect technique? Well, it's, it's, it's perfected for me, but w- what helps is 
from your very first warm-up set to your very last, everything is the same. Yeah. How you walk up to the bar, how you yeah. grab it, how you get underneath it, yeah. how you breathe, how you take it off, how you walk it out. So there's no variable with that. that yeah. That's all taken care of because you do it so many times. After that, it's just go down and come up. <laughs> Squeeze every time to go down and come up. And if you do it more, the more often you do it, the more you recognize if you're out of a certain groove. Yeah. And then you'll you'll it'll be easy to correct during the movement in a split second. Mm. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, there was never much uh, hoo-ha or carry-on for you pre-lift. You just sort of... It's a waste of energy. Step up and get it done. Yeah, save it. You've got a, a dirty big scar on the front of your knee there, mate, and we were talking about that just before the uh, we started rolling here. And it sounded like you, when you set up... It, you just slipped out of your routine and, and popped up. Yeah, I, I, I rushed myself. This was like in 2002. I rushed myself on my setup and I put my right leg just out in front, uh, out to the side a little bit too far. And I just went down and I felt it coming in and it just snapped. <laughs> <laughs> very, very nasty. nasty and definitely. that's on YouTube apparently yeah, as well. Ed Cohen injury. <laughs> <laughs> Quite proud of that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, mate, is there any? It's hard to do because we're not there in front of people and we can't sort of touch them and put yeah. them into place. But do you have a few tips for the three big lifts? If yeah, we start with fundamentals, start with, a, with a squat, like what would be some of the fundamentals if you could well, describe? Well, I, I would them? definitely recommend people videotaping from the side what they do because mm. that's how you can tell. You just take a, a good angle from the side and you can watch how someone squats. You can watch how they, if they sit back far enough, you can watch at the bottom if they're knees go forward you can see if their upper back rolls a little bit or if their elbows mm. come up you know start picking it picking at it and one thing can put everything five things into place and that's really if, if you watch the angle so you videotape first and you'll know if you're tight enough inside the bar it shouldn't just be sitting up there like a like a balancing act mm. it should be locked into place so nothing can move mm. Mm. so that's for a squat let's go to the bench what would be some of the setup cues you would give for that? People kind of relate to different cues. I was never huge on arching, but I always kept my sternum way up high the whole time. Now, if you keep your sternum up and raise it up, you feel your back tighten. Yeah. So that solves that problem right there. Your yeah. back won't t- your back won't get loose. Yeah. And then when your first drive should go from the heels through your legs, squeeze your butt, and it and it generates all the way through. Mm. All okay, the way through. Start from the heels. Good. Yeah. Deadlifting. If, you, if anybody will watch a video of me when I deadlifted, when I grab the bar, I kind of pull the slack out of the bar and hold it tight, and I will wiggle myself in tighter to see how tight it could get like a rubber ball ready to bounce. And then everything's locked in, and just a little pickup of your head, make it neutral, and make sure your shoulder blades are locked in a little bit, and uh, go. Boom. Push, pull, everything. Obviously, all those lifts, your intra-abdominal pressure, obviously locking everything up. Yeah, I, you know, I used to see people say... Uh, a lot of experts say... <laughs> he rolled his eyes, eyes then. <laughs> um, push your abs against the belt and all this yeah. other stuff. And that was absolutely ridiculous to me. <laughs> it felt horrible. So I just squeezed the heck out of my abs as tight as I can. Because yeah. that seems to lock everything in. The best squat I ever did was a 462 and a half or 463. And I actually have a ad, had an ab cramp when I was setting up underneath the bar. Yeah. So it locked them up even tighter. <laughs> There's the, the uh, big tip, try and get cramps in the abs uh, before you yeah, leave. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, an example of that is Konstantin Konstantinovos, big KK from Latvia, the Russian. And he has deadlifted like uh, 430 with no belt before. Really? And he has a great physique with great abs. And as he said, you know, I build my own belt. Yes. Yeah. And he squeezes the heck out of them. Yeah. In terms of nutrition, I know you weren't hugely focused on that throughout your career, but what about nutrition around training? Like if you're going to lift heavy, what would you be doing pre-workout? 
Yeah. Like carbs, fats, pre-workout. Food. Just whatever. I, I usually go to the Charles Pollock way for breakfast where a, yeah. a steak and a bunch of nuts or something. Yeah. And that would carry me through my workout because I usually work out in the morning. I'll yeah. train some people and then work out. And then afterwards, if, if I'm not going to eat within... Uh, half an hour to 45 minutes I'll have a little protein drink then go home and eat but uh, I, I've never really tried during the workout nutrition but uh, I'm going to try it this time out see how my energy levels are yeah okay right. Charles Poliquin has uh, I mean, he likes to learn from the best in any industry and he, he's referenced you uh, he's been on this show before and he, yeah. in, in seminars and things he'll talk about what he's learned from you w- what kind of things have you learned from him over the years well I know how smart he is every time I just say hi I get my <laughs> IQ goes up immediately <laughs> People ask him, well, how did you learn so much? He goes, when I have time, I just read it. So it's actually really simple, but everyone would just rather be sitting on their butts, not doing anything, and have someone tell them instead of actually just, wow, do a Google search on this this supplement or, yeah. or this exercise and yeah. see all the different views and see how it's, see how it's done. Yeah. I know Charles, uh, I've been to his house, and um, the amount of books, it's just wall to wall, like, uh, and everything, like bodybuilding, you know, every nutritional supplementation, like, and he remembers them all. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Crazy. Do you read a fair bit, Ed? Uh, not as much as I should. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I was, I was going to say, you, you mentioned the protein and fats. Um, obviously, that may not have been what you were doing back in the day, but mm-hmm. have you noticed, like, I know when I have the protein and fats that mentally I'm, I'm more focused, like, when I do have the carbs. I'm having carbs at the moment. I'm working um, with Milos Sarchev, and he's a big fan of you know. I know carb. him well. Yeah, well, he, he loves us. You know the carb, uh, you know, pre, intra, post. But I'll have my carbs, and then I'll hop on the train to go to the gym and train. And uh, I'm literally dozing off on the train. You know, I mean, then when I get into the workout, big pump and all that sort of sweating and carrying on. But like leading into the <laughs> the workout, man, I'm falling asleep on the train. The carbohydrates, man, I, they're just I, I, on my training days. I will take in more carbs. On the other days, I will take in a little bit more fat. Yeah, mm. cool. So with the seminar series that you're running with Paul Carter, what kind of things will you be going through with the attendees? Like, will it be practical? Will all the people be lifting and you'll be walking around queuing? Yes. uh, Paul's a little more verbose than I am. (laughs) I'm the hands-on guy. I like to run a workshop. Yeah, right. I want everybody to squat, everyone to bench, everyone to deadlift. And we'll go over every assistance exercise they may need. And then I walk around as everyone's doing all their lifts. And I, like a drill instructor, and I start correcting them and tweaking stuff and Usually they open up a lot more mm. than just doing a regular talk thing. And will you be going into programming and that side? Yeah, of yeah. afterwards everyone sits around and talks. Do you have a system in terms of picking a number for the day or the total that you want? I just kind of have an idea how my training went and how I feel on the day. A lot of times you might not have a good day and you might not, you know, a lot of people don't like to admit it. So it's how do I feel on the day? Just because I hit a certain lift in the gym or a double or triple, I, I never max out in the gym is it doesn't matter it's how you feel on the day so i base my opener low enough where i could take a good enough jump and then i decide where i'm going you just don't know till you know until you know so obviously you know you know some days you're not going to be on your game do you just take that in your stride it's like yep do you continue with the workout trying to hit the numbers or do you resign yourself to the fact hey i'm a bit off my game today i didn't sleep well the last few nights it's all good and then look forward to sometimes session. you just don't know till you know again <laughs> yeah like I'll, sometimes when my, my warm-ups feel terrible that's when all of a sudden I start focusing yeah. better. Because that's what I was going to say. Like and at some the end days, of the workout, it's great. So, but yeah, some days like you're just not in it. Like, and then the first few sets it feels terrible, but something happens, it clicks, and then you're. Most of the time, if all your training has been going well and you've hit all your numbers how you're supposed to, then it's just a mental thing, and you gotta yeah. suck it up, <laughs> man up, some concrete. Yeah, pretty much. Drink some concrete. Yeah. Oh well, mate, how much longer are you out in Australia for on this trip? Till Sunday. 
I have another uh, workshop to do tomorrow night, and then uh, just relax and see some things. No more training. No, this is the first time I've taken a week off in years, so yeah, I, right. I need it. You feel like you filled out a little bit over the <laughs> with, with the rest? Actually, I eat more carbs, so I actually I try to avoid the mirror and looking at it. <laughs> well, you're looking reasonable shape to me, mate. Yeah. So, uh, you're looking very staunch, very worthy of uh, an interview on the uh, under the bar. That's for sure. I got those yep. dates too, Tom. If oh, you want yeah, me to sure. rattle those off, yeah, so those off, um, Perth next year. The dates that are penciled in are uh, Sunday, April the twelfth, and Monday, April the thirteenth, two thousand fifteen, and then at the CHPC Clean Health there Friday the 17th and Saturday the 18th of April 2015 so yeah. they're the days that we can uh, look forward I'm certainly looking forward to that I can't wait the ultimate powerlifting tour in 2015 in conjunction with Clean Health Education and I think you can go to the Clean Health website yep. and uh, get all the info and register yeah, there we, we, we cover everything from A to Z work yeah. with each person individually you you will not be disappointed at all awesome. yeah if you're a powerlifter you'd be crazy not to be there yeah, or even any type of a strength enthusiast yes. or like regular people love powerlifting now especially women because yeah. how it makes their legs their butt and everything else fall exactly. out yeah, yeah. how it's supposed to yeah, yeah. just just because it's a powerlifting exercise doesn't make you a powerlifter it just means you're training to make yourself better exactly yeah. it means you've seen the light in your you know, you're a decent human being if you're doing yeah, like I, a squat, I, a deadlift, and I a bench press. I decided to get off the Bosu ball and <laughs> actually do a real lift. That's it. Uh, <laughs> stop getting doing the curls and the squat rack and right. uh, chuck the bar on your back. I right. like it, Ed. I like your style. Awesome. And that's, of course, with Paul Carter uh, from Lift Run Bang Fame next year. Wonderful. Ed, thank you so much for your time, mate. Thanks, and you guys. Thanks, it's been a pleasure. You made it easy. We'll see no. you out here next year. Awesome. Take care, guys. Thanks, mate. Cheers. <laughs> Well, what a lovely man Ed Cohen is. Yes, lovely. What a, a pleasure to have Short him. Short, to have him stocky, in. stout, stout, yes. stout. It's wider, he is tall. Doesn't mind checking in a bit of a chest pump day, doing a few curls towards he the end of the week. That, didn't he? Yeah, and he, he was always inspired and motivated by the uh, bodybuilders yes. early on. So back um, in the day, that's uh, that's what got him into everything. Mm. Is the the bodybuilding lured him into the the world of lifting. Yeah, but he said, uh, you know, within the first, uh, I think, two weeks, he was squatting five hundred pounds. So, obviously, there was a bit of raw talent mm. yeah. well, lurking. It's, it's funny with anyone who's arguably the best in the world at anything mm. that they mm. do. There's always that genetic predisposition to be exactly Tom. exceptionally awesome at whatever it is that they do. Well, you know, we're genetically gifted to be on the uh, on the airwaves, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of your best, mate. <laughs> you like that one, is Tom? Yeah. Yes. You like that one? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, of course, Ed coming out with Paul Carter uh, of Lift, Run, Bang fame. Yep. Uh, Perth, Tom. Yep. I think we mentioned this when we, we spoke to Ed, but again, for those of you that are, I'm sure want to attend, Sunday, April the 12th and Monday, April 13th in Perth, and then Sydney, Friday the 17th and 18th. Uh, that's a Friday, Saturday in April in Sydney at the CHPC with both those guys. So it'll be really yeah. awesome. And they can go to the uh, Clean Health website or yep. the W's cleanhealth.com.au to find details for uh, for those events. Awesome. Views. <laughs> Well, what a pleasure it's been. Like we said, having Ed Cohen on the show was uh, very special for everyone involved. My mate, Ed. <laughs> Best mate. <laughs> Nutrition for uh, strength training, Ruin. Yep. Just as important to think about that uh, in an intensification yep. phase as it is for uh, volume training. 
generally speaking, go protein fats pre-workout and yeah. uh, save your carbs for a little later in the day, post-workout or dinner. Yeah, unless of course you are just trying to get jacked in your strength phase, then you might want to increase your uh, carbohydrates post-workout, but definitely don't need them uh, during the workout. Have a crack at Anaracetam. You get a chance. Just have Tongue a bit of a, Give it a bit of a Googleization and uh, see if it, it might be for you. I'll, I'll report back yep. to everyone in a couple of weeks' time. And I'll, I'll, see if I'll get on it too and be uh, even more witty and more sharp <laughs> on, the, on the airwaves, Tom. Fasted or non-fasted? It's uh, some encouragement for people that like Age either. old question. Yeah, look, Age I think at question. the end of the day, if you're in a calorie deficit and you do a bit of exercise, you probably lose some fat. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what we <laughs> took out from that. So, yeah, pretty cool. I still like the fasted, but uh, it certainly doesn't hurt if you have eaten. And that's been the show. Thank you very much for listening. Cleanhealth.com.au uh, forward slash podcast to check us out or yep. um, send us an email, podcast at cleanhealth.com.au. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs>